the future of this industry is uh, is going to be hybrid. And we believe it's it's kind of like cars. You know, we call them hybrid cars today. Um, when they're all hybrid, we're just going to call them cars. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Clearview Podcast. Today, I am with Spencer Elliott, the CEO of ViewStub. How are you doing today, Spencer? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm uh, doing wonderful. Nice sunny day here in Hawaii. As well in Florida. Wonderful. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit about ViewStub. Sure. ViewStub is an online event platform that is really catered towards uh, not only individual organizers um, and creators, but also for agencies and other B2B um, groups that are looking to host multiple events, uh, either uh, directly on the ViewStub platform uh, as well as um, in person, but um, they can also host it on their own website without our branding. So we have a fully white labeled solution. And so we're really poised to to help um, everyone come out of the pandemic with a, a solution for both their in-person events as well as their online content. And, and we've really helped them to monetize that uh, with expanded reach, uh, creating, creating additional revenue streams. Wow, yeah, that seems like a very timely product. Um, is this something that you started from the coronavirus, like the need that arose, or were you guys operating on this already and then coronavirus hit? Right. So we were actually about a year into development um, before we ever heard anything about COVID uh, or the coronavirus. So we had launched all of our in-person event features. So QR code scanning and the ability to sell tickets to an in-person event right before the pandemic hit. And so it was really funny to us because we had to immediately shift back uh, to the virtual side of our business. And we haven't seen really too much going on for the in-person events industry uh, for the last 12 months at least. So how, how has that how has that been going for you guys? You know, on one side of the business, it's been great, right? Uh, and, and, you know, we're certainly expecting the in-person event industry to come back in full force. I think, uh, you know, as they lift restrictions and uh, develop more vaccines for, for more individuals, that we'll see everyone start to become more comfortable uh, attending conferences and attending in-person concerts. But what really has been great is that now there's a ton of awareness about what we're doing and what we've always professed, uh, which is, you know, get more ROI from your production, right? Uh, find ways to reach more people, um, allow access to people that just can't attend your event in person uh, and they never were able to in the first place. Um, that's about, you know, uh, in, in general, the statistics before COVID uh, were that there was about, you know, 75% of your target audience that was never going to make it no matter what, whether they have kids, they have work, you know, they live in a different state, they live in a different country, they're not going to make it no matter if they're a member of your association or anything. Uh, if they're your biggest fan, uh, they probably can't make it. But if you give them that online option, okay, now they can watch. And then they're 67% more likely to come to the in-person event the following, the following time. So uh, we had a lot of that data and we were really trying to convince people about virtual. But now I think everyone's, you know, everyone's on Zoom. Everyone understands uh, how, mm-hmm. how virtual works, and now it's almost an expectation. Um, and so we, we know that the future of this industry is, uh, is going to be hybrid, and we believe it's, it's kind of like cars. You know, we call them hybrid cars today. Um, when they're all hybrid, we're just going to call them cars. And, and we believe the same thing about events. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I could imagine there being like two, two obje- uh, objections to be moving through 
that COVID has really helped with. One of them being, uh, if people can't make it to the event, it's just not worth it. Like, why would somebody watch a, like, pay tickets to go to a concert that they're just watching online? And the other objection might be, uh, why dilute the value of a ticket to a concert by making it available, you know, uh, outside of the event? How has how has that uh, how have you addressed that, and what how has that shifted in the uh, just shifted in the the market's perception? Yeah, you're right, and and that really was what we were hearing. And the biggest one was, oh, you're going to cannibalize my in-person ticket sales um, by offering it online. Like people that wanted to come in person are now going to choose to watch online. Um, but I think we all know that that's not the case. I mean, uh, if 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 pandemic aside, if if I wanted to go to an event and I'm willing and able to go and I have the means, I'm going to go right. Um, and I'm going to go in person because I prefer the networking. Right. And there's value in that as well. Like, you know, now I can take those recordings with me and watch them at night so that I don't miss, you know, the opportunities at the coffee bar uh, to meet that prospect that I wanted to meet. And I don't have to run and jump to a session because it's only available in person. Um, and then we're seeing a lot of the CE credits being offered online now and, and that becoming accredited, which is really nice. Um, but, yeah, the perception has totally changed. Um, where, where we were trying to convince people, you know, pre pandemic, now they know, and they're coming to us and they're asking us for help and we're consulting, uh, and becoming, you know, their, uh, trusted resource for virtual events, as well as how to strategize. So you touched on a couple of things about the pricing. Uh, you really need to create that value online the same way that you would create the in-person value. So you should, you know, create one experience, but for two separate audiences. Um, and they both are going to have different nuance. Uh, types of uh, interactions that they're going to have with your content. So for that reason, we believe that you can charge more, the same price, and sometimes less for the online content, but there's ton, tons of ways to really create that value and say, um, okay, well, you're going to be able to watch it live only, right, for this price. If you're a VIP, you're going to get access for a couple days. You're going to get a VIP swag uh, bat bag sent to your house, and we're going to send you lunch through DoorDash. All right, so you just build up the value differently. Right. And then um, there's a lot of things you can do online. Like, hey, we're going to do a, uh, a VIP networking with the celebrity uh, keynote. And that's only going to be available to this ticket type. Um, you can create subscriptions. You can do donation based or set your own price tickets. Uh, we have the ability to sell merchandise. Uh, we've got people selling audiobooks on our platform because we've really developed a Shopify type of platform for online content and events. So a lot of uh, brands are using us to monetize these activations, these brand activations. So we've had clients, um, very well-known brands that have sold you know, millions of dollars worth of gift cards. And when you buy the gift card, you get access, free access to a virtual concert um, with the likes of top country stars um, in the nation. And so we, we've d done a few of those campaigns. And um, of course, those were all fully branded with that brand. And so no one knew the difference that ViewStub was the ones behind the scene powering the whole thing. So yeah, it sounds sounds like the previous model was like maximizing like the concentration of value and in, in a location, and then trying to maximize perhaps like dollar value of ticket sales based on that. But what you're doing is allowing allowing these events to maximize for engagement and allowing broader engagement in a in more ways. Yes, bringing more people from more places. You can still maintain a lot of that curation by having you know, specific ticket types and specific types of conversations. You could even have questions coming into a live uh, presentation, a live Q&A from a remote audience and enriching that conversation. So you're you're really enriching a lot of the, the soft value from which 
monetization for the event makers can occur and value for attendees can can be created. You hit the nail on the head. And I think that's the biggest uh, challenge that the whole industry is looking at is like, how do we morph these into one experience, right? Um, and bringing the online audience in into the in-person experience in a way that it seems seamless um, and that they can really feel like they're at the event, but also that it doesn't inhibit the people that are at the event, meaning that they're, they're not interfacing with a video screen or something like that. Um, so th- that's been uh, a lot of the research that we're doing, a lot of the um, R&D that our company is putting forth in terms of the innovation in that space, um, because that engagement is really important, right? And that type of data, you know, whether it's how long did they watch, right? How long um, did they stare at this sponsored um, video? Or how, how, many, how many people attended this session? Like you start to get very um, granular in terms of like how much was, uh, you know, from, you know, this group or this ticket type. And you can really start to um, slice and dice things in a very peculiar way. Um, and then when you look at it, you're like, well, we have, we have the ability, like, like we were just talking about, to really create it where the in-person audience is, is uh, just as profitable as the online audience, or, or if not more, right? And, mm-hmm. and so you, you, you said it, like um, maximizing the ticket value for the in-person um, and, and just overall getting the ROI for the event, which is, you know, it used to be roughly 33% to your point, like you would get 33% on your dollar um, in terms of uh, profit, like back from each, each ticket. Uh, and we, you know, we're seeing anywhere from like 65 to 85% uh, ROI on each individual online uh, purchase or access, but it's just so much more creative, right? There's just so many new ways to um, set things up where um, you didn't have those opportunities before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like if you, if, if you set up the interactions and frame them properly, then you end up with a much more scalable way to, to interact so that your, your per user cost is much lower than an in-person visitor. Exactly. Uh, but they're still able, still able to get a lot of the value and there's that increased network effect of everybody's getting more value from more engagement especially for sponsors um, and so that's really where we've you know seen a lot of uh, growth is in the sponsorship revenue side for our events um, they're able to craft very specific packages you know hey we're gonna run your commercial hey we're gonna put your logo on screen you know we're gonna have overlays and these are things that are not necessarily available in person especially with that type of reach and that type of uh, tracking you know if you put a big banner inside of a inside of an expo hall how how can you really track that ROI right um, like how many people actually saw it how many leads did that turn into um, and it's harder to do that with a with an exhibit as well like yeah you might be able to grab some business cards get some people to write down their emails for you um, but online you know these 77 people came in here these 33 opted into the email these 32 um, said that they were interested for a demo you know what I mean you can really start to uh, pump out some interesting data. But what ViewStub is, is really um, passionate about is being agnostic uh, for our event organizers in that they can use several other uh, pieces of the pie if they want. You know, we, we certainly can help them with their streaming and help them with their promotion. Uh, we do a lot with the marketing and we can also help them with the registration. But if they have another piece that they like to use, including Zoom, we have a Zoom integration. Uh, we, we love for them to use those things because we don't want to reinvent the wheel for them. Um, mm. This is all very complex. And, and so we let them pl- plug in pieces um, from other companies and we've been very API driven. So if you want to bring your own CRM or you want to bring your own e-commerce store, we want you to plug that in. Um, and we can support you in, in growing your event revenues in another area. So uh, we certainly you know, have really positioned ourselves that way. 
and, uh, and, and really wanted to become that, you know, kind of infrastructure uh, for, for these organizers moving forward. Right. Yeah. And that's, that brings up another good question is like, given that complexity with, with how, how complex the, the rollout could be, what is, what is your onboarding process for bringing in a new client who's traditionally been running a, like, let's say there's just a, a typical event at a location that happens annually and they sell tickets and maybe they've live streamed it before or live streamed portions of it, but they've really had like the value being part of being at the event, um, being the core of the value. What would be like, how much tech skills would they require to be able to integrate their process? Do you support people in a, uh, like, is there sort of a turnkey version and then a more custom bespoke integrated version? Absolutely. We've, we've set out from day one to create the easiest platform to use for event management. Um, and so that's always been at the core of our product. And so if you get on there, it would really take you a number of minutes, um, assuming you were already ready to go with, with your event. You know, if you're still in the brainstorming phase, of course, you can create a draft and come back. But um, if you have your, your picture that you want to upload and you have your description, um, you fill everything out within a few minutes. Um, you're up and going. you got your page. There's no upfront cost uh, to do anything like that. Uh, and so you can actually start promoting your event, start fundraising your event, start selling tickets and not pay view stuff a dollar until you actually start making money. And we do everything on a revenue share model. Um, and so we ch- kind of changed the game in that in that sense. And uh, we wanted to make sure that our organizers were making money first and then they were able to use the extra money that they're saving, not having to pay us up front as a vendor to be able to continue to promote their event and make their event bigger. And then we added things like affiliate links um, to make it even easier for them and, and a lot of tools around that. Um, but, but yeah, to your point um, about uh, wanting to, you know, see these organizers, um, you know, make it easy for them, you know, transition them into this virtual world. Uh, we have each, each organizer um, or agency or, or customer that we have gets a dedicated salesperson as well as a dedicated account manager. So um, they've got that upfront help, you know, from the sales manager to, to answer any questions and do demos and everything to get them feeling comfortable. Um, and then from then on, they've got the account manager as well as the sales manager still there uh, to really go in and be technical. And we offer as a company, um, you know, day of event management. So we can we can click the buttons for you if you want. You know, we, we have people that can do that. Um, and typically the organizers that we're working with already have a good production company that they're working with and that they've used in the past whether it be for those big screens that they used to do on the back of the stages mm-hmm. for the people in the back of the room or uh, for B-roll footage. And they were not really monetizing it. And so now all we're really doing is uh, helping them to find a way to monetize it um, and then you know create that, that paywall and that gateway uh, in order to, to restrict the access. Because what we saw was people were trying to use YouTube and use Facebook and uh, here I'm going to get a million views from my 100-person conference um, and I'm going to make 700 bucks. We thought that was backwards. You know, you, you should make all the money right. and give us a small percentage. Uh, and so we built a platform specific for event organizers and specific for this uh, market. And then what we realized is that more people wanted this model than we thought. So uh, it's kind of extended into industry coaches and, uh, you know, smaller uh, workshop style, like a learning management software. We have also got, um, like I mentioned earlier, people uh, selling access to audiobooks or documentaries, like, you know, replays of video and audio uh, podcasts, things like that. They're using the platform for that. And they're, they're hosting it all on their own website uh, with their branding. And they, and they love that. They get to create their own uh, branded experience. And so we, we want to be 
supportive of them in, in every way. So, hmm. tell me, tell me more about the learning management software that you guys are. Yeah. So essentially, you know, you just create a series of videos. Um, you can do them live. That's that's the cool thing about ViewStub is that we have all the flexibility to um, create a sales page. And then within that sales page, there's a media page. And that media page can have unlimited number of uploaded videos. It can have an unlimited number of live streams. And it can have an unlimited number of breakout rooms, um, sponsor booths, those types of things, right? But the cool part is, is that not everyone will see everything, right? Unless you want them to. But you can actually, by ticket type, restrict the access. So... Um, from an organizer perspective, you'll have all your media in one place, makes it easy, right? But each um, ticket will have different levels of access, right? So um, some people will only see this stage and some people will see everything and some people will see the ability to go to the expo hall, some people won't. And so you have the um, options and, and the, it's really toggle switches that we've put into, into view stuff to turn these features on and off. Um, some can do the polls, some can do the, we turned everything into a, a feature where the organizer gets to decide how they want this to be tailored. Um, and so it's very highly customizable. You can customize the buttons, you can customize the names. Um, you can really customize everything uh, to make it flexible for you. And uh, what we saw in the industry was that there was a lot of platforms that tried to pigeonhole these events into, um, okay, everyone's is gonna say agenda, everyone's is gonna say speaker, but we, we do fundraisers, right? And they don't want it to say um, donations, they want it to say, you know, um, a gift, right? So we want them to be able to change that button so it doesn't say donations, it says gifts, right? So, or whatever, you know, I'm just making up a scenario. Um, and that's that's what we want to be, is that customizable platform that works for everyone. And I know that's a horrible thing to say, um, but, you know, we believe we can do it and, and we are doing it every day. We have several industry verticals that um, are very successful with our platform. And for us, we are just really focused on uh, finding those hubs that have several spokes. Um, so we've always been very successful with brand ambassadors and uh, referral partners like videographers and meeting planners. Um, we've become entrenched in, in those worlds and uh, they have become great sales uh, members for us and brand advocates and just, you know, uh, speaking on podcasts about us and things like that. And so then we, we took that model and said, well, let's enable them, right? Let's, let's develop a software where they can now manage all of their clients. And so we've now developed an agency model. Um, and the cool part is, and we talked about this earlier, the agnostic part of the view stub is that you can sell on other platforms and that's fine with us. You know, we'll actually do the pay-per-view fulfillment for you. Um, if you want to sell on like an Eventbrite or Ticketmaster, uh, we can take those registrations, put them all into our system. So you have one hub that has all of your registrations and then one place to distribute all of the media uh, and the video player for the people to be able to watch the actual event. So, hmm. Yeah, wow. I can I can think of already a couple people that I could connect you with that might be able to use ViewStub. Oh, great. Um, but I'd like to take for the rest of the podcast. I'd like to take this into a like a personal direction. Um, what's what's a a personal like journey that you've had in starting and growing this company? Um, something that you learned about yourself that you didn't expect or some kind of business problem that turned out that it was coming from you and you, you learned <laughs> this thing about yourself and then you changed course and things improved. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a ton. I, I've just been uh, a work in progress uh, since, since really starting this journey. Um, cause I, I was in the corporate world for about four years. Um, and I worked that, that whole time I worked with startups on the side and I actually, um, you know, took, uh, two years off from that same employer and went and got my master's degree in entrepreneurship. So it's always been a passion of mine. And I thought, man, when I get into this entrepreneurship role, 
you know, when I'm the when I'm the leader, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna operate that way, right? Um, I remember my boss telling me at, at one time, you know, hey Spencer, you have really great ideas, but we we move in a, a cruise ship mentality and not in a speedboat mentality, and that always resonated with me. And I was like, man, why not? You know, um, but they were a billion dollar company who sold later for a billion and a half. And now that I'm in this role, I've learned why there is bureaucracy, why why there is a hierarchy, why there is a little bit more um, complexity from one side of the perspective than there is from maybe the person that's in that role um, day to day. Uh, and so for me, I've tried to have more empathy uh, for my team members and, and try to bring that all the way up to, to the decision makers that are affecting uh, that individual role. And I just think that's one thing that uh, was a realization for me is that, man, I, I shouldn't have been acting that way before because, um, you know, I was I was a young gun out of, out of school and I didn't really know what I was talking about, I guess. Or maybe I did, um, but there, there's nothing I could have done about it. And, um, you know, these these things, they take time. I, I think I, I always expected um, that where we're at with ViewStub today, that we would have been there sooner. Um, and just realizing that there's a lot that goes into it. You know, you really need to find the right people to join your team, and I think we've done that. Um, and they're just... Uh, you know, the most passionate group of people uh, that really have the best interests of not only our customers, um, but also our other team members, as well as uh, our investors and stakeholders. And that's one of our values is to create value for everyone in the food chain. Um, and so I, I realized that, you know, in, in any given situation, you're kind of like, okay, well, is this going to be best for ViewStub? Or is this going to be best for the customer? Or is this going to be best for our shareholders? And it's like, well, really, we should be looking for what's best for all three. Um, and kind of uh, making sure we're moving in that direction. So those are just two things, I guess, that came to mind. And there's a, there's a ton more I can I can share. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. Also, um, you pointed to finding the right people. What have, what have you learned in this process about finding the right people? You know, um, one of our mentors uh, said you need to hire three people at a time when you want one, right? And I thought that was pretty uh, sound advice after having gone through. Uh, several hires that uh, for any for any good reason they didn't work out right um, whether that individual wasn't comfortable with the fast-paced um, at the time startup mentality that we had and uh, really having an unsure um, you know uh, career uh, trajectory I, I shouldn't say that sorry like an un, un, um, unclear daily routine is what I meant to say so um, where they're just it's not a routine they can't come in every day and expect that they need to do this this and this and then tomorrow's gonna be the exact same um, we're very comfortable with being uncomfortable and constantly reprioritizing things um, almost daily uh, because of the feedback that we're getting from our customers and wanting to make sure that we're building a product for them, right? And so, yeah, sure, this might help four people, but if this other product feature is going to help 400, you know, then we need to prioritize that. And so we're constantly looking at those things. Um, and so the team really has to have that mentality. And so one thing for us is we've, we've just gone over the values um, every single week in our meeting. Like I actually, uh, I do something now where I, I highlight one of our newest team members, if there is one, or I go back and I highlight, and I've been doing it in order of seniority, um, the people that have been here the longest and that so that everyone that's new gets to meet them uh, and can learn about them at least for 10 minutes, 15 minutes in, in the Monday meetings. And I do one a week. And then what I make that individual do is to I, I take out a couple words from our values and our mission statement, and I make them fill in the blanks. Um, and everyone's watching, right? So everyone gets to participate a little bit, and they get to phone a friend if, if they get stuck. Um, but what I'm trying to do is reinforce these things um, because we've identified them over the last year 
of things that we want to improve upon, right? So um, having gratitude, going beyond every time. So not just doing things as status quo, um, having focus and feedback, uh, being proactive and productive. So there's a lot of alliteration in there to help people remember it. Um, but our mission is to partner with organizers to uh, create successful events globally. Uh, and, and, you know, there's different versions of that mission, but essentially those are the pillars. And um, yeah, that's that's a yeah. view step. How, how did you arrive at your values and your mission and how do you iterate them as your team grows and as your mission evolves? Sure. Yeah. The first one, um, I, I forgot to mention, it's best product and team. And I think that was the first one that we really did outline. And we said, man, like if we can have the best team, we'll create the best product. Right. And if we can have the best product, then we'll have a great company um, and that customers will want to use. And so then we started, um, you know, honestly asking our own team members, like what they thought the value should be. And then um, I remember there was a big list at one point and we, we looked for themes and we looked for things that uh, made sense uh, for everybody. And then from there, it was actually just a natural refinement. I think um, we entered them into a few meetings and uh, just kind of ran through them and people would say, eh, it doesn't sound right, you know, and oh, that's not really what we're trying to say. And uh, it just naturally evolved uh, through several iterations. I mean, I know we've worked on that for weeks. It wasn't something we tried to do in a day. Um, we really wanted it to feel organic. Um, and so for that reason, you know, everyone now, I feel like wears it like a badge of honor. Like we all agree with them. Um, I've asked every week, you know, does anyone think that this should change or does anyone have any questions about any of these? Um, because I, I really want it to be ours and not something that's dictated. That was one thing mm -hmm. I was really um, wanted to make clear is that I didn't tell them what the values were, that they were a part of it, um, and that it was our values as opposed to, you know, separating it as like executive leadership versus everyone else, you know. Um, right. So we, we built it together. So. Yeah, it sounds like that circles right back to that cruise ship versus speedboat mentality. Like you early on, you were like, why, why can't everything be like a speedboat? And then, you know, in this role, you've learned that there is a reason for a bureaucracy sometimes, but you still have the empathy for both sides. And so, you know, building your mission and your values isn't a top down thing. It doesn't work for you if it doesn't connect with your company where people are where people are at in a company and you want it to be a collaborative process. So it can still be steered, but it may not just be, you know, thrown out every day and then write a new set of values or something. And I don't want them to believe it's like Noah's Ark where there's no rudder and you have to just have faith. Right. Um, I want them to know what's going on with the company. Um, and so we're very transparent with everything that we're doing, whether it's fundraising or the sales numbers, like we, we show everyone everything because um, I want them to have that type of, ownership and autonomy in, in what they're doing. And they can't have that unless they know, you know, more than their individual role. Right. And, and for them to be able to make those decisions, they need to be informed. And so we've really mm -hmm. pushed for that. Um, in everything we do, I can think of one example. Um, you know, we were beginning to offer healthcare, right. For our full-time employees. And it was something, you know, that we've wanted to do for a long time and, you know, didn't always have the means to be able to do so, but, you know, we're able to do so now and, you know, pay for a portion of their um, monthly premiums. But we could, you know, we could have went about it two ways. We could just say, hey, look, we're doing this in the background, you know, and, and we'll, we'll launch a plan and everyone's going to have to deal with it. But we, we thought about it differently. We went and asked everybody, like, hey, what would you want in, in your healthcare plan? And, you know, we got everyone's feedback and we decided what was the most uh, prevalent or, you know, the, the top priorities for everyone. And, and we went and made our plans around that. 
um, because I knew that everyone was different and I don't want to create one plan that only works for half my team. So now we have four plans that they can pick from and I'm just hoping that, you know, that fits everybody's criteria. Um, but, you know, that's just one example of, of how we try to do things a little bit differently and I think that's going to help us um, have, you know, sustainable growth and um, longevity with uh, retaining top talent. Right. So, so let's say, let's say ViewStub, ViewStub is exactly as successful or even more successful than your wildest dreams. What does the event industry look like in three years? Right. Um, so I'm not sure um, how many people have uh, followed the, you know, the, the fastest growing unicorn in the world, which is Hopin, which is um, in our industry and uh, really was able to ride the hype, um, hype train, so to speak, uh, when everything happened. And they were that company that was set up. Uh, with backing from Silicon Valley and everything to really, um, you know, be that front runner for the industry. And, um, you know, they were able to, like I said, grow very, very fast. Um, And so what we see coming out of that is that um, there will be a lot of disruption, a lot of consolidation, and a lot of acquisition, mergers. Uh, We will see this industry um, expand dramatically. Um, we have some really good insights into that with some consultants and um, others that are, that are working with us into the market um, analysis. But uh, that will essentially level out, right? This will become the new norm uh, and, and companies will need to uh, kind of settle in, right? So that, that's when I, I feel um, we'll be approaching more of a maturity period. I would say that's probably closer to 10 years. But this industry is huge anyway. I mean, the, the events industry, registration, ticketing, uh, online registration and ticketing specifically is, is massive. Um, and so it's just had a huge um, kick in the butt uh, in, two, in two ways. I mean, it was a, it was a negative impact um, for the entire industry. Uh, when when you know convention centers were shut down and venues couldn't operate and everyone was you know unable to even host a ten person uh, get together, much less uh, a whole production crew for a concert or anything like that, uh, and so everyone had to you know quickly shift and pivot and augment. Um, but what is coming out of that is now the entire virtual side of of the events industry has been built out. Um, to I would say probably the almost the same size um, as what the in-person event industry was was on track to be, and so I see it almost um, being like a one and a half x on what we saw in 2019. So a little mm-hmm. bit of that will be will go away, right? But overall, I see the industry actually um, growing by one one and a half times um, what we saw before 2020. Which wow. it was on, yeah, it was lot. on track for like fourteen percent uh, CAGR or compounded annual um, growth rate, but I think it would be more like like fifty percent over two years, which is which is insane. Um, you know, we're talking about close to a hundred billion dollars um, industry wide. Yeah, wow! Sounds like the tea leaves are boding well for you guys. Well, Spencer, thank you. This has been a really really fascinating interview, and I've got a lot more I'd like to talk with you about. Uh, but thank you for joining. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you.